0: Shall we diagnose your case? said Mr. Parkerpine, smiling. He leaned back in his chair and brought the tips of his fingers together. Uh, the trouble concerns your husband. You have had, on the whole, a happy married life. Your husband has, I think, prospered. I think there is a young lady concerned in the case. Perhaps a young lady in your husband's office. A typist said Mrs. Packington. A nasty, made-up little minx, all lipstick and silk stockings and curls. The words rushed from her. Mr. Parker Pine nodded in a soothing manner. There is no real harm in it. That is your husband's phrase, I have no doubt. His very words. Why, therefore, should he not enjoy a pure friendship with this young lady and be able to bring a little brightness, a little pleasure, into her dull existence? Poor child, she has so little fun. Those, I imagine, are his sentiments. Mrs. Packington nodded with vigour. Humbug, all humbug. He takes her on the river. I'm fond of going on the river myself. But five or six years ago, he said it interfered with his golf. But he can give up golf for her. I like the theatre. George has always said he's too tired to go out at night. No, he takes her out to dance, dance, and comes back at three in the morning. I, I... And, doubtless, he deplores the fact that women are so jealous, so unreasonably jealous, when there is absolutely no cause for jealousy. Again Mrs. Packington nodded. That's it. She asked sharply, How do you know all this? Statistics, said Mr. Parker-Pine, simply. I'm so miserable, said Mrs. Packington. I've always been a good wife to George. I worked my fingers to the bone in our early days— I helped him to get on. I've never looked at any other man. His things are always mended, he gets good meals, and the house is well and economically run. And now that we've got on in the world and could enjoy ourselves and go out a bit and do all the things I've looked forward to doing some day, well, this! She swallowed hard. Mr. Parker Pine nodded gravely. I assure you, I understand your case perfectly. And can you do anything? She asked it almost in a whisper. Certainly, my dear lady. There is a cure. Oh, yes, there is a cure. What is it? She waited, round-eyed and expectant. Mr. Parker Pine spoke quietly and firmly. You will place yourself in my hands, and the fee will be two hundred guineas. Two hundred guineas? Guineas? Exactly. You can afford to pay such a fee, Mrs. Packington? You would pay that sum for an operation. Happiness is just as important as bodily health. I pay you afterwards, I suppose. On the contrary, said Mr. Parker Pine, you pay me in advance. Mrs. Packington rose. I'm afraid I I don't see my way to, to buying a pig in a poke said Mr. Parkerpine cheerfully. Well, perhaps you're right. It's a lot of money to risk. You've got to trust me, you see. You've got to pay the money and take a chance. Those are my terms. Two hundred guineas. Exactly. Two hundred guineas. It's a lot of money. Good morning, Mrs. Packington. Let me know if you'll change your mind. He shook hands with her, smiling in an unperturbed fashion. When she had gone, he pressed a buzzer on his desk. A forbidding-looking young woman with spectacles answered it. A file, please, Miss Lemon, and you might tell Claude that I am likely to want him shortly. A new client? A new client. At the moment she has jibbed, but she will come back. Probably this afternoon. About four. Enter her. Schedule A? Scheduled A, of course. Interesting how everyone thinks his own case unique. Well, well. Warn Claude. you are not too exotic, tell him. No scent, and he'd better get his hair cut short. It was a quarter past four when Mrs. Packington once more entered Mr. Parker Pine's office. She drew out a chequebook, made out a cheque, and passed it to him. A receipt was given. And now, Mrs. Packington,